Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Welcome back, FemFam. Thank you guys always for listening. Um, We are currently wrapping up this season. I can't believe another season has gone by. That's awesome. Um, We right now are recording mid-November, but you guys will be listening to this near the end of December. So uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all that junk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just to let you guys know, we're going to be back um, probably mid to late January. We're taking a little bit of time off for the holidays. So thank you guys for sticking with us. We hope you guys have a great holiday season and winter, but we have an awesome, awesome guest for you guys today. So I'm excited to introduce Olivia Charmaine Morris, who after receiving her BFA in film and TV production from Tish, Olivia began her career specializing in comedy development on the business side of children's animated television. Um, she joined Simpson Street as a senior director of development and production, and she was development executive of original scripted programming at TBS. But earlier this year in August, Olivia left Simpson Street to create her own artistic endeavor, Black Monarch Entertainment, which is a full broadcasting and media production company, an artist collective, and Mosaic, which stands for Multicultural Omni Channel System for Advocacy. Advo- advocacy if I can talk this morning advocacy inclusion and change so welcome Olivia thank you for coming on today thank you so much for having me I'm excited to meet you ladies absolutely girl that acronym right there I love that that is so baller is that did you come up with that yourself or was that something you saw like out in the world no, it's something that I made up, um, you know, before, before even getting into what the company is and what the mission is, um, I am an artist before anything else. I'm an artist and an activist. And so when I was thinking about what the company really is, it it's an artist collective. Everyone that I'm either working with, working for, uh, or is working for me or, you know, that I want to be in business with, we're all just a collective of artists. So I, what I really thought about what I wanted it to be. I just had a lot of visualization of uh, tapestries and mosaics. And I said, I think this can be an acronym. So (laughs) it's it's something, it's something that I made up. That's awesome. That's amazing. And we were just talking right before we started recording y'all, like we were just saying like, when, when did your company start? And like, hold up. Cause we were doing the research on her and yeah, just this year. So this baby is 90 days. 90 days. 90 yes, days we, just, we just hit our 90 day mark. Um, it's brand, brand spanking new. Which well, is amazing. like, because yeah. you're already starting stuff. Like you've already got your team together. You're already, I mean, when me and Carolina started, like, we were like, what do we do now? We're officially an LLC, but like, 
what do we do? You know, so that's amazing that you're already like jumping straight in. Yeah. And, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, a lot of what fuels you, yes, is the art and is the passion, but also you have to make money. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. So we had to get, we had to get straight to work. I love that. So why don't you bring us back a little bit to what led you to that point to where you're like, okay, I'm going to start a production company now. What was that? Just briefly your background into that point where you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I guess I'm going to be one of those crazy entrepreneur people that just (laughs) going to jump right in and start a business like how we do. (laughs) Yes. So uh, as I was saying to you guys before we we got on, this was not really part of my five-year plan. Um, I've always been someone who has kind of had to fight between wanting to do art and also having to make money as a lot of us can relate to that. Absolutely. And so I've always been a part of the business in some aspect though. When I was really little, I actually was a performer uh, doing theater and doing musical theater and doing stuff in front of the camera. And I, I always knew that I wanted to be a part of Hollywood since I was three. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> my mom my mom loves to tell the story about how when I was in preschool, I went up to her one day and said that I had a dream that I was getting out of a big car and I needed to learn how to you know, write my name in squiggles because someone was asking me how to write my name. I was like, I don't know who taught this baby what cursive was and what autographs were, but I was talking oh about it at a, at a very, very young age. So if that's not a vision, I don't know what is. Um, yeah, so totally. I, it's so true. And it's, it's so funny, but I truly believe it. Um, I always love film and TV and the stage. And, you know, at one point I had to make the decision, was I going to go to Juilliard and like a lot of my friends and go towards Broadway? Or was I going to learn about the business side of the industry? And that was a tough call because at the end of the day, that's how I came up. And I, it was, it was kind of hard to set my art down for a moment, but Mm -hmm. when I went to Tish, it was exciting because I was able to learn everything from having a camera in my hands to learning about sound mixing and sound design and, uh, learning about editing and art direction and all the parts of the business. But it's funny because it felt like summer camp and (laughs) it really did, even though it was really fun. I didn't have this feeling like a lot of my other classmates where it said, you know, I I have to be a writer director or else I'm not going to make it in this business. I Mm -hmm. felt like there had to be more for me. Mm-hmm. I had a professor who I have to shout out. She's incredible. Her name is Randy Davis Levine. And she currently still is a development executive. And when I learned about development, that was the first time where I said, oh, I think this is a way that I can combine my creative side with my analytical side. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came up on the development track my entire career. I first started off in kids content uh, because, you know, I was attacking content like Mr. Rogers. I called myself Mama Rogers in my own private (laughs) circles. Uh, You know, he has a quote that I really admire that says, uh, paraphrasing, you know, he really honored and held responsibility for the space between the child and the screen. And, you know, it was his role to figure out what he wanted to do to fill it with. And so that's really how I approach kids content. I took a lot of classes in child psychology and developmental theory. And I wanted to focus on, you know, what, how are we helping shape kids' minds? Um, So I did that for several years at companies like Nickelodeon and DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked at some smaller production companies as well. That was the first time I kind of had a foray into the selling side. Um, But as I started coming up as a development executive, uh, I, although I really liked it, I, I always felt like 
there could have been something more for me, which is why I left TBS after a few years and started working with uh, Carrie Washington over at Simpson Street. Um, but to answer your answer your question, that moment that I realized that I wanted to do something for myself was really just putting it in context of what was happening this year. You know, it's kind of hard to talk about the the changes without talking about it being such a year of unrest, yeah. uh, a year of civil unrest political unrest. Um, I actually had COVID at the top of the year as well. Um, so I was, I was sick and just, uh, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, just regrouping. Mm -hmm. And when I really thought about what I wanted to do, I realized that over the years I had, I had a collective of artists, uh, whether they were writers or comedians or directors or visual artists. I just knew so many people from New York to LA to Paris to Berlin that I said, if I really want to be in business with all of these incredible people, I need to create a, a, a home, an engine, an endeavor, a company, an organization, whatever you want to call it, uh, to where I can do that without having to be in a position to ask permission to do the work that I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. that's what that's what changed was was the state of the world, the state of the union, and uh, you know just the state of my own ethos and pathos. I will say, yeah, I love that. Um, just really quick for our listeners that may not really know, can you just give a little synopsis of kind of what development means, like to be in that world, what you're kind of doing in general? Of course. So development is just what it sounds like is the art of developing and crafting something from the beginning. So when I was on the development side, especially working at a network, I'll just talk about TBS for now, because that's where I spent a bulk of my career. Um, what it means to work in development is to be having an inundation of incoming materials and having to hone your, your taste and being able to say why you like something and why you don't like something. Uh, and if you like something, you have to, you have to fight to the death and, and really, really defend it to get it on the air. Um, so that could be anything from reading scripts and saying, oh, like this might be a writer that we should meet with for, you know, for any number of reasons to hearing pitches, which was always one of my favorite parts. And I think a lot of people's most fun part of the job when talent will come in and and pitch and say, hey, I have an idea for a TV show. Here's why it's fantastic. Here's why you should should buy it. Um, and also, you know, I specifically worked in comedy. So in all those pitches, they're trying to make you laugh. So (laughs) I spent, I spent all day, I spent all day laughing, um, which was, you know, a real blessing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then once you do buy a show, uh, you can either buy a script, which basically means, you know, we're going to work together to get the first episode down pat to see if we're going to order a pilot or you can order a pilot or you can order a series. So, uh, one show that I worked on, but I say, you know, I really left my mark with was The Last OG, which was starring Tracy Morgan and Tiffany Haddish. Mm-hmm. So that was a show that came in as a pitch. Um, it had been developed at another network before coming in. And it was really, really different uh, than the show that made it to air. Um, but it was a pitch that I thought was was brilliant. You know, Jordan Peele co-created that show. And this is before Get Out came out. But I said, you know, that man is a genius. Um, and it was something that going back to the art and to the activism, I knew that it was going to be funny. I knew that it was going to be poignant, but I also knew that it was an opportunity to talk about some real issues and push cultural conversations in regards to uh, the prison pipeline system and what is recidivism means uh, for formerly incarcerated c- citizens, what gentrification is like, you know, for, for people who are 
uh, coming out of jail and just, you know, for people in general. Um, so that was a really exciting show because I was able to really combine both sides of my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last piece of development too is, you know, you are the liaison with every other department. So that means uh, with the legal team to make sure that deals are closed and structured the way that they want to be uh, with the marketing team. So for instance, with The Last OG, you're you're authorizing everything from a billboard to a wrap party to a commercial spot. Um, you're, yeah, you are the point of contact for any head of the department. So it's it's a really fun job. I think the, the other distinction to make too is some departments will have development positions and some will have current positions, which basically means that if a show has made it beyond its first season into a second season, some teams will have it move over to another team, which is called current. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for all the roles I've ever had, I've, I've always worked at companies where the team does development and current, which is amazing because I always had a hard time giving up that baby once it was doing well. Yeah. And so, you know, every job I've ever had, I've been able to work on a show until, you know, the, the lifetime of the show, which is pretty awesome. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like it's so much work, but it also sounds like it's all really cool stuff. You know, it's all stuff that is interesting. You get to know the show. Like you said, it becomes your baby. You get to like make these awesome decisions. Like, it, I mean, it sounds like a really cool track to follow, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's exciting. It's exciting. And the more that you do it too, uh, you get to have more hand in all of the creative. So for example, um, script to screen, right? There, there are moments where I got to be on set. I got to help determine what a character was wearing. I got to help determine, like, I could even say something to the effect of like, mm, that sound effect didn't sound quite right. Can we go back in our audio library and pick a different sound effect? Or maybe we need a new song in that moment. Or um, I thought the kiss was more believable when they did it in the third take. Let's change the take. So um, whenever I watch an episode, it's so funny because I've watched it in a hundred different iterations before, (laughs) you know, the audience is finally watching it. Uh, so it's, it's really exciting to see, um, every single moment that, um, you know, it takes hundreds of people to create just a beautiful moment of TV. So it's exciting to see the fruits of everyone's label labor come to life. Yeah. That's amazing to hear that, you know, side and perspective and how much like everyone has a hands-on in the experience and how, yeah, like you said, like how many iterations are, are happening before the final product is showcased. It's like, it really blows your mind if you sit there and like, like think about the workload, like from big picture to then Mm. what you finally see. So that's, that's amazing. And like, I love that. It sounds like you really did get to bridge the gap between business and artists still in the development process, which is yeah. a beautiful, exciting thing if anyone's interested in that. Um, Cause yeah. you feel like you have to give that up when you're like, sounds like you're going into development. Great. I'm just going to be filing papers or. Right. I'll just be at a desk in a corporate office. Exactly. watching Someone else do it. But yeah, I think once I saw my professor doing it and every internship I had when I was in, in college mm-hmm. and undergrad, was in development. So I got some firsthand experience watching other people do it. So by the time I was doing it myself, um, you know, I was pretty savvy. And, and what I will say, uh, a really, really big part of development, like I said, is is just knowing your taste and being able to really stand by it. And, um, mm. and I, I talk about this all the time. 
I sit at the intersection of otherness, right? I'm a woman, I'm black, I'm queer. And so in a lot of spaces, I'm the only one advocating for, for otherness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that doesn't mean that every story I want has to be female forward or every story I want has to, you know, feature a black cast or every story has to be, you know, for the LGBT community. But in a lot of ways, I love stories from marginalized groups and underrepresented voices. And so that was another reason why that show in particular, you know, meant a lot to my heart because from the mm-hmm. creators to to the writers, to the, to the actors, to, you know, who we were working with, even on our Emmy campaigns, like everyone, there were so many people of color that got to be a part of the process. And I was excited to be the one um, hiring people and and giving people those opportunities. That's amazing. And I feel like, you know, now you've got your own company, so you can, like, you really have completely double down on all of it. Oh yeah, double down. At the time I had to like, uh, I don't have to justify it as much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, now I'm yeah. like, this, this is what we're doing, yeah, <laughs> which, is, exactly. which is great. So it happens when you make up a title for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole like, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. But like, mm-hmm. if you know what you're doing and you just, yeah, you just start, you just jump in, like you're golden. <laughs> Absolutely. And fake it till you make it is so real. I feel like my mom has been telling me that since I was really little, but even more than fake it till you make it, I feel like what I've learned is, you know, especially, you know, this, this is a a woman's forward podcast. So I can say Mm -hmm. when you're in the room with so many men, especially white men, I mean, it's a male dominated industry. Uh, there are so many opportunities and so many moments where I realize they don't necessarily know any more than, you know, they've just been put into leadership positions. Right. And so, you know, being able to learn and glean from, from these men, but also understanding that it's important to take up your own space. Um, and sometimes jump into the meeting without, you know, having all of the answers. I can't say that I did that. I'm definitely a perfectionist and very, (laughs) but I, but I do, I do recommend that, that people take more opportunities to, not wait until they feel so overqualified to apply for a job in development um, because there are so many similarities to other industries. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for people who might want to work in development, don't feel like, like I was talking to a friend this morning uh, who was interested in it and she was like, well, I haven't had any onset experience. Does that mean it can't do development? And I'm like, no, because that's something that you can learn on the job of how to, you know, conduct yourself on set. Totally. I mean, I think I, I forget what the workshop was. I was doing some online workshop and they were basically saying, you know, when you're applying to these industry jobs, unless it's something super specific that you absolutely have to know, like every inch of what you're doing. Like a being a Foley them, artist. <laughs> like, right, exactly. <laughs> but if it's not something like that, like a lot of them will say, you know, two years experience required or whatever, but like, you really don't need that. And they're just saying that to like weed out all of the people that aren't willing to learn that on the job as soon as they can. It's true. You know? Yeah, yeah it's like true. really and, and intimidated it's, to learn something right. like that. Yeah. And this business, you know, one of the things that I dislike about it is for as much as I love it, a lot of times it's the chicken or the egg. So they'll say, you know, you can't get an agent until you have acting roles, but you can't do acting roles until you get an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with development. You know, you can't get a development role unless you've been an assistant, but I'm not going to hire you as an assistant unless you've been an assistant somewhere else. Like exactly, it, it can be this, this very, it's a slippery slope. And, and honestly, it's the reason why there are inclusion and, and diversity pipeline issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead of looking at as a pipeline, that's, which is, which is very linear. Um, that, that goes back to why I use the term mosaic and the O meaning omni-channel and, 
you know, and the S it's a system. Like, I, I don't think it should just be a pipeline. I think that there's got to be more facets uh, to making sure that diversity and inclusion aren't just mandates, but it really is a whole strategy from the beginning of building any type of team or, or product. Yeah. Like looking at the person themselves to like, what do they individually have to offer and bring to the table then just, I get it. Like they want to see, like it helps them again, weed out people who really won't be fit for the position, but it, it does create borders. Um, yeah. And, and lose and like less opportunity for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, what do you, what do people have to offer? And also what do they want to do? You know, there's so many times where I would have general meetings with, you know, writers or comedians or whomever was, you know, sitting on the other side of my desk. Well, not the other side of my desk. A lot of times I would, I want to sit next to them. I, I had it more like a, little, <laughs> a little living room. Set, but Cute. Whenever, yeah, just more cozy and intimate. Yeah. But whenever I would have meetings with other people, I would always ask questions like, what gets you out of bed at night? Like, or in the, in the morning, what makes you hop up and get excited to come to work? What's, what's your passion project? What's your dream? Like, even if you're not working on it now, I'd rather know what that project would be as opposed to me saying, well, I have this project. Do you want to write on it? You know what I mean? Cause there are, there are some functions of the role where you have to do that. Like if you're staffing up and you have to find someone who is, you know, perfectly tailored for that, but most of the days out of the year, you're not staffing, you know, you're just meeting people. So I'd, I'd rather get to really know who is at the core of a person so that when an opportunity does become available, I can remember, oh, that person loves really creepy, dark psychological thrillers. Like, I'm going to call that person, even if they've only ever done kids content, um, they really wish that they were doing something different, you know, and I'd rather give you that opportunity to do it for the first time, even if you don't have the experience, if that's really where your passion is. Absolutely. And do you have any tips for our listeners that maybe, you know, want to get in the room with people like you to, to getting them there? You know, once they get there, it's kind of up to them to be able to handle the interview, you know, and everything. But yeah, as far as getting in that room, do you have any general tips? Yeah, I will say always be working on your craft, no matter what it is, and all, and approach it like a craft. You know, I think that there are some people just being completely honest that approach the industry like hobbies, and that's totally fair. Um, but, you know, if you're a writer, you should be writing and, and have materials that people can read. If you're a comedian, you should be you should be working on your jokes and not just working on them in secret, but, but on a platform, whether it's on a stage or on your social media or on YouTube, mm -hmm. somewhere where people can, can see it and be consistent. Um, so, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, have an agent, have a manager, which is not wrong, but at the end of the day, agents, managers, attorneys, uh, executives, they're going to be going to all these other channels and, you know, going to script competitions and pilot competitions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's our job to call the artistic universe in order to find you. And so if you're not findable, that's going to make it very tricky to, uh, to find, to find you and your art. So that's what I'll always say is just constantly be doing the work, uh, to get into the room. And yeah, once you're in the room where it happens, uh, be able to, it, it's a bit of a sales pitch. I know that doesn't sound very fun. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, to get in the room, I've already read, some of your materials, or I've seen something that you've worked on, or um, I've read your bio and I know a little bit about you, but I, that all aside, I want to know about you, how you want, to, you know, yourself to be presented outside of, you know, what your manager has said or outside of what's on the page, right. you know? So I, I want it to be 
conversational, but I also want to be able to walk away and say, I know something about that person that I didn't know before they came into the room like that. And that's that person's job because I don't know anyone else's life story. Yeah. (laughs) It's like an acting role. Come in with your own unique perspective because that's what, you know, joining a team, that's what you're going to cultivate is they want your, a good team will want to have someone who comes in with a voice and a perspective to help collaborate. So I love that. That's right. I think, I think a lot of times people get bad advice on that. I've had some people come in on meetings and they honestly feel like what they, they want to present what I really want to hear. And I think a lot of times people will say, well, if I don't show a lot about my, myself, my personality, if I'm too quirky, if I'm too quiet, if I'm whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get the job or, or, you know, not even if there's not a job on the table, but I'm not going to be seen favorably. But for me, I think it's the exact opposite, you know, especially having worked in animation for a long time. Those are some of the quirkiest people you will ever meet. (laughs) I'm sure. Ever. And and writers too. A lot of times writers are like, well, I write because I'm not an on-screen personality. Like I'm not going to come in and like dazzle you with, you know, you know, with jokes or something like that. Um, So I don't want someone to feel like, man, if if I'm, if I'm awkward in the room that I'm not going to get the job, you know, it's, it's also our role on the other side of the desk to be open to meeting all sorts of different types of people. So just come in as yourself, come in as you are, but also talk your shit, uh, whatever that means for you. Are you a podcaster like us? Vlogger, interview conductor? Do you need a VO booth or ADR? Remote audio video professional recording? Ooh, Tessa, spill the tea. Well, the Network Studios in Culver City is a fully functional recording oasis. With multiple rooms made to cater specifically to audio podcasts, video interviews, and voiceover, plus an experienced sound engineer with the ability to edit and master, all your needs will be covered. Audio engineer extraordinaire Mike Casentini has worked with several podcast heavy hitters and got us started from the ground up. He's the reason we sound so good. Plus, all of our in-studio guests have been very impressed. To find out more, visit www.thenetworkstudios.com and book your next recording session. COVID compliant and open for business. And I want to talk a little bit more about your company as well, Black Monarch. Um, You told us, you know, the kinds of stories that you want to tell, but as far as like the type of, um, like, are you going for TV, film? Are you still kind of figuring that out? Like, what's what's your plan, I guess? We're going for everything. So, uh, so my vice president, who I also have to shout out because she's phenomenal. So her name is Dominique Olivito. Her background is working in content partnerships uh, with the NBA and the Players Association. And so, you know, she's bringing in a variety of sports projects. Mm-hmm. whether they're scripted or unscripted. So because of that, and because those are some of our first offerings, a lot of people have said, oh, you're a sports media company. And I'm like, mm-hmm. not necessarily, but <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, especially with the NBA, we'll just drill down there for a second. When you think about a lot of the production companies that certain players have, whether it's you know LeBron with Spring Hill or Steph Curry's company or uh, Westbrook's company, um, a lot of times, they have to balance being on and off the court with their work. But that doesn't mean that if you are a a player who wants to be a producer on the creative side, if you can't build up your own company as big as LeBron's company, that you shouldn't be able to do that. And so we're looking at players, you know, whether they're basketball players or, you know, in any other sports arena, we're looking at them as their own tastemakers. 
Mm-hmm. And giving players opportunities to, you know, join us as executive producers, join us as creative consultants on on what some of their passion projects are. So, for example, um, you know, we're working on a couple different documentaries right now that are, you know, really centered on the NBA. Uh, but, you know, we're looking at it not just from the perspective of like, any ESPN 30 for 30, which we love, you know, which are, you know, a lot more biographical. We're looking at them from a much more artistic lens and really elevating the stories in a way that uh, feels exciting, feels commercial, but also feels, you know, young and exciting and really energetic. Uh, and so that that's making a lot of players really, really excited. Um, that's amazing. So that's, So that's some of the stuff we're doing in the sports world. She's also our VP of Unscripted. And so in the Unscripted space, we're going to be tapping into everything from sports to lifestyle to music to food. So it's going to be kind of all over the map there. Um, And then on the scripted side, which is which is my my bread and butter, Mm -hmm. we're doing everything from TV to film. uh, So that could be anything from a half hour comedy to an hour drama. Um, And also down the line, we also want to have some scripted podcasts in in our offerings as well. So uh, some narrative podcasts. So we're going to be doing a lot of stuff. We're definitely building our slate right now. Um, And the other piece of it that I'm really excited for just to kind of distinguish between what I did before and what I'm doing now. So when I was on the buying side, my whole network was buyers. And so I was able to talk to uh, a lot of my friends who are, you know, maybe buyers at Netflix or HBO or, you know, wherever their homes are. And now on the selling side, I can call my friends again and say, okay, what are you actually looking for? And how can we tailor what, what we're creating for you. So now I'm going to be on the other side of the table saying, Hey, I have a great idea for a TV show. I hope you buy it, <laughs> which, is, awesome. which is, which is funny. Yeah. And it kind of makes you uh, have a thicker skin because my job before was kind of breaking hearts, unfortunately. Like I can't tell you how many times, hundreds of times, yeah. probably more. Um, I had to call people and say, here's why we're not going to be doing your project. And so now even this morning, I, I got a pass on one of my projects and it felt okay because I was like, you know, there's so much that goes into a pass. And I remember having to be in that position to pass. So I will also say for people tuning in, if you are a producer and you feel like, damn, I just feel like that person in the parking lot with a mixtape sometimes. Like it feels like no one, no one <laughs> yeah. is just going to be, is buying into my idea. Just understand that, you know, you never know if someone else has already developed in that space or already has something on their slate or they might love it, but their boss doesn't love it or why it might not be a fit. Mandates are constantly shifting. So keep your chin up and just really believe in your baby and, and take it somewhere else. And also know that if it's a real dream project, stick with it. You know, mm-hmm. I have one uh, hour long drama that I'm developing now that I've actually been working on for 10 years. Like I've wow. had, I've had it in my back pocket, uh, since before I even went to college. Yeah. So, wow. so now that I'm finally able to work on it and I have the relationships, uh, you know, for talent and for writers and everything. And, you know, I feel very confident that I'll be able to sell it next year, but just know like 10 years is a very long time to be, to be, uh, dreamscaping on something. So don't give up. Yeah. I love that. That's like a, you're a breath of fresh air, Olivia, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Thank you. No, really. Like during a time like this too, I, we were talking about this too, before we hopped on air, but like you did this during 2020 and part of it was just because of all the, the events that's going on. And it's, it's easy to just get lost with everything. And, um, I know personally it's, it's been a challenging year for myself too, to just 
keep going <laughs> like you just yeah. gotta keep pushing 100%, through it 100% 100% and so it's 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 awesome to hear like a voice like yours you're just so excited and you built this during this year so y'all yeah we can make yeah. it happen <laughs> we, can, we can do it that's how I feel too and I I look at the positive aspects of what we've been able to do in 2020 that I never would have been able to do if it was any other year and for example two examples so one I will say I'm able to uh implement a self-care routine at home while I'm doing my day that I never would have been able to do if I was in the in an office space. So for example, I can have a Zoom that makes me so nervous where I'm like pitching something or, or trying to sell something or whatever, but then I can close my laptop and just like go take a bath in the middle mm-hmm. of the day, which is so nice. Like I, yeah. never, <laughs> I never would have been able to do that in any other setting. The other piece of it too is and this, this is a, a bit of a pro and a con, but, you know, to look at it from the from the bright side for a moment, you know, the industry is so predicated on events and having to, you know, be on carpets and, you know, constantly seeing a bunch of faces and, and letting people know what you're doing. And if I were if I were pitching right now. Yeah. Uh, and the world was open up, I'd have to be, you know, going from Santa Monica to the Valley to Hollywood, just, you know, driving around, taking all of these meetings. But right now I've been able to build it virtually. So I've been able to meet with someone in, in London or meet with someone in Paris or meet with someone in Chicago or wherever. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all just home. And I've been able to, on those moments where, you know, my smile is cracking a little bit, be able to just be honest with people and and make some real uh, personal connections and not just have it be, uh, you know, the handshake and the quick pitch in the elevator. So I'm I'm deeply appreciative of this moment to just have more, just a real human connection with people who are like, we're all going through it right now. Um, and so we can just be honest, like, sorry, if you hear my kids in the background, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. uh, I don't have kids, but you know, for people yeah, exactly. that do, for people that do, it's like, I, I fully understand that real life is happening more than it's ever happened before. And so, um, I actually think that it's, it's humanized and kind of humbled a lot of people in the business, uh, in a way that I can really appreciate and respect. Yes, totally agree. I mean, it's been great for us for the podcast. You know, we've gotten to have so many guests that otherwise probably would have been too busy or wouldn't have been willing to meet with us or, you know, like you said, live in London or whatever, you know, like it's, it's really been awesome for us in that way. And I think too, like for me personally, you know, I lost my day job during all of this, but that's then Mm. given me time to work on my craft as an actor. And, Mm. you know, I'm not necessarily like out there on set, but I've gotten to like catch up on classes and like audition videos and updating my yeah. profiles. So yeah, it's yeah. just what you make it's a, it. It's, it is, it is, it is sit your ass down a clock and re <laughs> and regroup season. It really is because yeah. I, I keep saying that 2021 has to hit different. It just has to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, you know, going back to the name of the company, Black Monarch, I love butterflies so much. And so when you think of uh, Black Monarchs, like you can either think of it from like a royalty perspective, like a Black queen, but you can also think of it from a butterfly perspective. And this year, you know, we've all, we've all been in our cocoons. And so I try to think, you know, when the world opens back up and businesses open, and when we go back out into, you know, doing whatever we do in all walks of life, what kind of butterfly do you want to be? Or will you be a butterfly? Will you just realize like, oh shit, I got to regroup, you know? So I I've been trying to, to spend a lot of time just, uh, with introspection. And like I said, with my self-care and my wellness plan and making sure that, you know, when I am back at all of those events and, 
you know, people are like, what are you doing now? You're not at TBS. So you're not working with Carrie or not whatever. I can say, no, I'm doing Black Monarch and here's what we want and here's what we're doing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of that. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's so exciting. I'm so excited for you and your company to see what you guys make. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited too. Um, it's been, it's been really well received as well because I don't, I don't really think of it this way, but it is, it's a black owned company and Mm -hmm. it's a, it is a great time. It's a hard time. Let's be honest. It's a hard time to be black in America, but it is a really exciting time to be black in business. Mm -hmm. Uh, because there, there are a lot of, uh, different companies right now that understand that, you know, they haven't been as inclusive as they wanted to be. And like I said, instead of just making it a mandate, uh, they can really make it a real strategy. And so as people are talking to me, they realize like, you know, you're the kind of person that we wish we had on our team. And since I can't hire you full-time, would you just work on a project with us? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, of course we can, we can do it in that capacity. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, if you're in any sort of marginalized community, understand that your voice is needed now more than ever. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. And also, Olivia, will you let our listeners know um, how they can follow you personally, your journey, as well as Black Monarch and, you know, where they can kind of, well, you may not know yet this yet, but where they're, they're, I can't talk this morning. Sorry, guys, not enough coffee. Um, We'll be able to find um, the things that you make with the company. Yes. Um, so right now we're still working on our website. It, it is so super new. Um, but my personal website is oliviacharmaine.com and it's linked with my social media. Uh, I put everything on uh, my Instagram. So it's Olivia underscore Charmaine and we're building the Black Monarch ENT Instagram handle as well. So, you know, once we start selling shows and having things to promote, that'll be more populated as well. Um, and something else I've been doing on a, on a personal front that we're expanding, I've been doing these Instagram lives called the tea every Tuesday. Um, and so, yeah, so I've been interviewing all sorts of different people, um, and basically just having a a very informal, casual way to just let your hair down. Um, Mm -hmm. like the week before the election, I interviewed Janelle Monae and we talked about, you know, um, art and culture and the importance of the election. And so, you know, we'll have a variety of different guests on there. Um, but that's a way to really get in touch with me and, and also start to see, you know, this artist network that I'm talking about who some of those artists are that's awesome I'm definitely going to tune into that do you you save them too like that we can they're safe yeah they're safe so there's been there's been five or six episodes again (laughs) everything I'm doing is new um but they're all saved on my IGTV so yeah you can catch up on the old episodes there too awesome yeah for sure we'll have to check that out Mm -hmm. I love that yeah spill the tea spill the tea exactly exactly Exactly. I I'm a even though I'm I'm young I'm 29 I am 29 going on 79 so (laughs) um I'm the kind of person who loves sitting at home uh with a vinyl record on drinking a cup of tea uh I running a bath bath. I need I need new ribbon in my typewriter like I'm a grandma you guys so no literally it's like it's like up on one of my tabs right now. I was like, don't forget your typewriter ribbon. So um, I'm, I'm a old that. lady. So it's, it's fun to be able to, you know, slow down and, and mm. really let people um, come on and just talk, talk about the stuff we're talking about here about art, about um, society, 
but also just about wellness and like, you know, how, how are you getting through this time? Um, you know, as someone who, uh, is, is a public figure, not everyone is a public figure that's been on the show, but for the most part, um, you know, everyone has some sort of, uh, prominence in, Mm -hmm. in, in their given industry. And so, yeah. So I really want to talk like founder to founder, creator to creator, artist to artist, like, how are you doing this right now? So, uh, so that, that's the tea. Awesome. Well, listeners, make sure you tune in, give Olivia a follow and yeah, keep us updated with everything. I'm just really excited to see what you guys create. Thank you. And I will say, you know, just putting some optimism into the universe, you know, to really follow Black Monarch, keep your eye out on the TV and keep your eye out in not theaters. Theaters are, you know, they're struggling right now, but I will say streamers for movies, Mm -hmm, like, you know, in the next couple of years, we will have some things that are, that are streamable, tune inable. Uh, that's a thing. Tune inable. Yeah. (laughs) Let's make it a thing. I like Uh, it. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's Um, pretty much a thing. It's a thing. Right Um, now. Yeah. Especially. But, 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 you know, Black Monarch will have some things that are, that are watchable from the comfort of your own home. So I'm excited for that day as well when, you know, the the yeah. name Black Monarch is as big as, you know, Brad Pitt's company Plan B or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Like that that's the goal. We're we're shooting for the stars. Yes, I can't wait. As you should, Olivia. As yes. you should. As and- I should. <laughs> And that's the great thing, you know, everyone, like, thank you for spilling the tea here with us about life and your company. And I love the positive energy. And I think that's, you're right, like 2021 better hit different. And for everyone, just, yeah, keep your vision. (laughs) It needs to, yeah, we need to like re, yeah, revamp here. But yeah, for everyone out there too, yeah, just keep your visions like in the forefront. Yeah, like if you want if you are starting your own company and like Tess and the Nyes are still brand new, but we're just like, yeah, keep that in the forefront. And I, I love that. Like you can have it big as Brad Pitt's and you can do all yeah. these things. Nothing. Why not? Right. Yeah. Everyone, everyone started somewhere. And that's, that's the thing to, to really realize is like, even the most successful person had a yesterday, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why we're so glad to like meet creators like you, Olivia, and have you on the show. And we're excited to follow your journey. And who knows, we can have you back on when you have some new exciting yes. things going on. So- yes, I would love that. I would love that. In the Yay. next in the next 90 days or in the next few months, like I'll definitely yeah, tune back we'll in do, with you guys and let you that. know. I would Absolutely. love to. Oh my I'd God. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Yes, I love that, Olivia. So thank <laughs> you for spreading the good work and For you guys, FemFan, tune in next time. We'll see you in January. (laughs) Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.